Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Every week I start the same way. This has been a crazy week. I've got to tell you something, though. I don't think the weeks any longer are crazy. It has been the way they are. This is what the weeks are every week. This craziness has become the norm. So as wild as this past week has been, I'm beginning to think this is the norm for us. It may never change, or it may change six months from now or a year from now. Who knows? A lot of things are happening, though. I'm going to talk about the Democratic primary, which is ongoing tonight. But first, I want to start with the stock market. The market closed down again today by 800 points. Uh, last week was bad for the market. Uh, it, it got killed. <laughs> about 3,500, 3,800 points it was down. Uh, the worst drop in, in that amount of time in I don't know how many years. You know, just a fantastic number of years. Just doesn't happen that way. And yesterday the market came back, I think, 1,300 points, something like that. It's going to happen. There are astute market players, people who know how to make money in a bad market, in a down market. And when it's down like this, they know how to get in there, make some buys, and probably sell those buys off before the day is over. They're in and they're out, and they know how to make the quick buck. These are smart guys. Let me tell you something. Because there, I had a friend who's now long gone uh, for whom I had a great deal of respect. He was an expert when it came to the market. He was an expert when it came to money. Uh, and he used to always say, Lewis, he was older than me by about 20 years. He says, Lewis, if you're playing the market, when everyone goes to one side of the boat, you go to the other. And that's how you make money in the market. And that's what these guys did yesterday who went to the other side. Okay, now, so the market's down. I projected two years ago that we were going into a recession at some point. I thought it would happen at the end of last year. I was wrong. I'm not a market expert. I'm not an economist. I'm just an 84-year-old guy uh, who played the market, made some investments along the way in other areas, made some money, lost some money. So I have a feeling and my gut keeps telling me this market was going to go down even without the coronavirus crisis which has occurred. This is merely going to accelerate it. And the primary reason it was going to go down was because of Donald Trump, the trade wars. Oh, my God. How could there not be a down market just with the trade wars? Uh, I do not blame. I do not blame Donald Trump for the virus itself. I blame Donald Trump for his approach to the virus, not anticipating it or preparing for it, and how he is handling it now. That is where he is guilty. What am I saying? Uh, for example, since Trump has become president, he has depleted, he has cut big time from the budgets for the CDC, the World Health Organization, specifically 
for whatever the department is that prepares for and anticipates some sort of an epidemic like we're into now. He cut money and staff from these departments. Okay, I blame him for that because he didn't get us ready. And now that we're in this, and he's standing up there and say, oh, boy, you know, everybody said I was wrong. I shouldn't have stopped flights from certain countries, but I knew what I was doing. That's the only thing he did, <laughs> okay? He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's put together, he's got a bunch of imbeciles running this thing. He, Vice President Pence, uh, Arza, or whatever his name is, uh, who's nothing but a pure, unadulterated politician who sucks up to Trump and does what Trump tells him. Uh we're not being, he's not dealing with the problem properly. I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you this. If I was president of the United States, I would have someone like Dr. Fauci or someone like that running this whole operation, okay? The whole thing with regard to the virus, all right? And let them make the decision. Report to me as president, but I have to rely on your medical judgment because these people like Dr. Fauci have handled major epidemics in the course of their lifetimes. They know what they're doing. Donald Trump does not. Okay, which now brings me to the Democratic primary. Uh, If you are a basketball fan, You know what March Madness is. It's the last month of college basketball. It's the big tournament. Uh, It's crazy basketball. As a fan, I love this. I live for March Madness. And I came up with something the other day. You can give me credit for this. You know what the Democratic primary is right now? Because it isn't over tonight. It's going to be going on for a while longer. It's March Madness. That's what the Democratic primary is. This year, it's March Madness. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's the way it is. I mean, you got Sanders. you got Biden. Uh, you got uh, Bloomberg. you you got Warren. you got all these people in there. And the, the funny part is, let's, let's take a look at this now. Just today, Super, Super Tuesday, remember, just last week, they said Biden's dead. Absolutely no way he's going to win this thing, all right? A week later, everybody's saying it's going to be Joe Biden uh, because he won South Carolina so big. I mean, fantastically big. He, he, took, he won by 30 points, 28 to be exact. Big over uh, Sanders, Bernie Sanders. Now, tonight, Today is Super Tuesday. I mean, you got like 13 states voting, two big ones, California and Texas. Well, I've been watching the, the figures coming in tonight, as most of you have. Joe Biden's doing terrific. <laughs> I mean, i got to laugh. He was dead. 48 hours ago, he was dead. Then he comes out big in South Carolina. He gets all those endorsements, you know, Buttigieg, uh, Globisher, O'Rourke. Susan Rice. When Susan Rice speaks, that is Obama, Barack Obama speaking. Good friends, good political uh, partners. She was with him through the White House. That's Obama speaking, and she came out in support of him, too. Uh, and so far, he, Bernie Trump, uh, Bernie Sanders, rather, has won his home state of uh, Vermont. He lost North Carolina. And I forget what the uh, two or three other states so far. Now, what's happening is there are three states, 
too close to call, which are all states, by the way, that Sanders won four years ago against Hillary, big time, too close to call. Texas is amazing. They had to extend by court order the time to keep the uh, polling places open, as they did in Tennessee because of the hurricane or the, whatever it was, typhoon, hurricane, and they have to do it in Texas. And you got to see the pictures of the line of the people standing in line in Texas. I mean, it looks like it's a mile long. It's not I'm exaggerating, but I've never seen anything like this. And they're all young people. Which brings us now to, we've been told the young people are solid with Bernie Sanders. Turns out in the state so far and what they're coming up with, it's not the young people. Bernie Sanders is either losing the vote, young people vote or splitting it. Splitting it with Joe Biden. Amazing. All in a week. Really, 48 hours this has happened. Uh they're saying yet, though, no chance of Biden winning California. I'm just curious to see how this whole thing works out. He may come close. Anyhow, but it's been an amazing two days. This is democracy in action. Hopefully, this is going to get Trump out in November. Okay. Uh, governor Mario Cuomo. He's the governor of New York. Uh, not Mario, Andrew, I'm sorry. His father was Mario Cuomo. He was governor of New York. I knew Mario Cuomo. I didn't know him to have a beer with him, but I met with him several times politically. You know, that sort of come into town, got to talk to a bunch of local <laughs> Democrat bigwigs in the back room, and three or four of us or five of us would sit down with him for a few minutes. That was the extent of my knowledge, a relationship with the guy. Uh, he could have been president of the United States and would have made a great president. Uh, but he got on the airplane. The story goes he got on the airplane in Albany to go wherever he had to go for, which would be his first appearance as a candidate for president. And he decided sitting on that plane before he took over that he did not want to run for president. For what reason? No one knows. Too much work. Maybe I can't win. I don't know. He was a fantastic governor, one of our best governors. I think he got four terms in. He finally lost, though, because I guess if you're in a position too long, you lose your touch with the people. And where he, he understood, he understood the guy on the street, the men and women on the street. He understood the mom and pa grocery store people. He didn't understand at the end those people. He was in there too long. It was playing... Uh, not Main Street, but Wall Street was his thinking. So that's why he lost. But before that, he was a great governor. So now his son is governor, Andrew Cuomo. I think he's in his second term, uh, maybe his third. We rarely hear of Andrew Cuomo nationally. He wouldn't make a great president, as I thought his father would. And I'm going to give you an example of what he did this week. There is next to no publicity on this. It's not something that Donald Trump or Mike Pence thought of. But Andrew Cuomo thought of it, because there are now two deaths, I think, or two cases in New York State with this problem. He had uh, some sort of a requirement or a law uh, passed, or he signed something, whereby, whereby people who have insurance and require to be, need to be tested, the test kit need to be tested, and, of course, they have insurance, 
and the insurance is going to pay for it, but there's always there's generally a copay. No insurance company can charge a copay on any of the test kits that are required in New York State. So these people who might not be able to go to the hospital because they can't afford it, I know people who can't afford to pay for their drugs with the copay who don't go to the drugstore. They don't have to worry. They can go because they, so they won't get stuck. They will not have to pay a copay. No one knows how big or small it's going to be yet. And I think this is brilliant on this part. It's a small move, but it's a big move, and it's important to everyday people. It is an example, in my opinion, of thinking outside the box. Keep your eye on this guy. He and Trump, by the way, don't get along. <laughs> Absolutely don't get along. Okay, uh, now we're going to get into the Pope, Pope Francis. Pope Francis got sick Wednesday. He was sneezing. He was coughing. It was obvious. He was out shaking hands with all those people again in front of the Vatican, in the square. I've been there. If you've been there, you know what I'm saying. There'll be thousands of people. And he mulls through the crowd. And he's sneezing into his handkerchief. He's blowing his nose. And they put him to bed afterwards, and they canceled all other activities for him last week. And his activities, his, his audiences that he had, are still canceled because he was sick. They put him to bed. That's all they said. He was sick. And, of course, leaving it hanging out there in the air, what do you think? The poor guy's got coronavirus. Cor- I'm sorry, Conora. Corona, the beer, coronavirus, uh, because Italy remembers the first European country to get big with coronavirus. Turns out it was announced this morning that he just had a bad cold. He does not have the virus, and everyone's thrilled. But I wanted to share that with you if you were not aware and if you were interested. Let's talk about the peace agreement between the United States and the Taliban that was supposed or is supposed to end the 20-year-old Afghanistan war. This is Donald Trump again bullshitting us or trying to bullshit us the only way I can put it and why. Uh, I wrote about this in my blog a few days ago, the day they were signing it, and I think the day they were signing I can't remember what morning it was. Pompeo was there over in Afghanistan. He's got a big smile on his face. He's shaking hands with everybody like this is a big deal. It would be if it was true, if it was valid. I said then, and it's happening already, that this peace treaty couldn't hold up. First of all, They made it with the Taliban. Remember the Taliban? They were our bad enemies, our worst enemies. Now they're our friends. And they are a powerful fighting force, military force in Afghanistan. They're not the government of Afghanistan. The government of Afghanistan was not a signatory to this peace agreement. They did not even permit the government, the United States and the Taliban, of Afghanistan to part participate in the negotiations and there's still al-qaeda over there who don't get along with the taliban and al-qaeda and they don't get along with us because we're with the taliban now they are not a party to the agreement they were not 
a party to the negotiations. So how can you have peace if even the government itself of Afghanistan isn't involved? Also, it wasn't a permanent peace. It was good for seven days. And if nothing bad happened in those seven days, fighting, killing, within reason, you could have a little bit of things not going right, then they would sit down to negotiate a further, more permanent agreement, okay? Uh, well, this isn't working. Right away, there was a war, not a war, a talking war. The government of Afghanistan has the most troops of the Taliban. They've captured Taliban troops. They have them in prison. The Taliban wants all those troops removed. Afghanistan says, hey, what are you talking to me for? You didn't talk to me when you made the deal. Now you say you want them back because that's part of the agreement. Why should I give them back to you? Why should I release your your people who are our prisoners? It doesn't make sense to me. You didn't talk to me. You didn't want me part of the deal. Up yours. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> We're talking 5,000 people, by the way. Another thing that indicated to me that this wasn't really a for real agreement, even from Trump's perspective and Pompeo's perspective, is that we presently have 13,500 American troops in Afghanistan. 13,500 troops. The deal only provided we were to withdraw that number down to 8,000 troops. And hopefully 14 months or 18 months We'd get the rest out during that time if they weren't needed for any reason. Well, it isn't working. (laughs) It isn't working. Trump's already gone on TV and said, when this thing was signed a few days ago, after 20 years I have made peace uh, with Afghanistan. He lies. He bullshits us. And we're smart to him now. Not everyone. Most people I don't think today... Even some of his closest friends believe him. Uh, And here's an example of where he was uh, not telling the truth again. And, well, i got to say it. I apologize for bullshitting us. Now, you can't have a president who lies. You can't have a government who lies to its people. You know that. I know that. Trump lies to us all the time. Uh, This, you know, Taliban peace treaty with Afghanistan is an example. Let me tell you about Woodrow Wilson, who told a bad lie, which resulted in people dying. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was our president during World War I. And an epidemic hit this country badly. The 1918 Spanish flu epidemic worldwide. I don't know how many thousands of people, if not millions, were killed. This, this and the Black Plague were the two biggest epidemics in the history of mankind, okay? And the Black Plague was during the Middle Ages. Now, recently, someone wrote an article on why the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic was so bad in the United States. We, we knew it was coming. But it was so bad, in, in, we were supposed to know, bad in the United States. And this fellow said it shouldn't have been that bad. And the reason it was this ba- that bad, his conclusion is that government, listen to what I'm going to say, government officials 
desperate to keep morale up during World War I, didn't tell the truth. And because the government lied, more people died. And couldn't tell the truth, wouldn't tell the truth. And because the government lied, more people died. And Donald puts us in these positions, I believe. That's all I can tell you. I mean, even on this, he hasn't owned up that he screwed up with this uh, coronavirus thing yet. And the money he took out of his budgets the last two or three years that places in a poor position now. He just doesn't tell us these things. Uh, he did things. He's done all kinds of crazy things to place us in a position of jeopardy. Now I'll get to President Wilson again, okay? Uh, President Wilson, I always thought was a great guy until I came across these things this past week. Uh, World War I president again, and it was during, it was, I think, March 1st, 1917. March 1st, 1917. President Wilson signed into law a bill granting Puerto Ricans citizenship. People of Puerto Rico became citizens of the United States. 1st of March, 1917, World War I. Now, when he signed that law making them citizens, he knew that in one month the United States was going to go into World War I. Historians believe this is a fact, this is correct. When he let Puerto Rico become citizens, he knew that within a month we were going to war to, into World War I. He also knew at the time he didn't have enough soldiers <laughs> for the war. <laughs> so one month after he, we were in the war, two months after he made them citizens, he signed another law, the Compulsory Military Service Act, which was a draft law. Okay? All right. This is one month after he made him citizens, two months after he made him citizens, one month after he got us, we were in the war. 20,000 Puerto Ricans were drafted. Can you believe that? By the way, we were, we were in that war, I think, one, one and a half years. 20,000 Puerto Ricans were drafted to serve in World War I. Now, that was sneaky as hell, very underhanded, and that's just coming out now. So Donald's got a long way to wait before a lot of the things he's doing come out. Um, want to tell you what makes things better in life for people. Uh, I want to talk to you about the Diocletian, Diocletian persecution. Diocletian persecution. The greatest persecution of Christians under the Roman Empire, all right? It's the year 303 A.D., 303 A.D. Diocletian, D-I-O-C-L-E-T-I-N, became emperor of, of the Roman Empire. He didn't like Christians. Don't ask me why he didn't like Christians. I don't know. Remember, Jesus was crucified 33 A.D., 300 years earlier. But even though there were persecutions on and off of Catholics, Christians between that time and his becoming emperor in 303, it wasn't that bad. 
persecution was here, there. It wasn't a big deal. But now he becomes emperor, and he don't like Catholics, and he don't like Christians. And I don't know why. I couldn't figure it out. He just didn't like Christians, period. So he issued an edict immediately upon becoming emperor, withdrawing, removing all rights that Christians might have. They had no rights as a people. Uh, he also required them under this law that they had to practice whatever the religion was that the Roman Empire practiced. I don't know if their god was a, li- uh, you know, a monument to a lion, a sphinx, or what, but whoever their god was, that was the Christian god also, or they would be killed or persecuted. And he demanded that they make sacrifices to the Roman gods. Well, he, and he went on a persecution. He went on a genocide. He went on a holocaust. He killed Christians big time because they were Christians, and he just didn't like Christians. Think of Donald Trump, who he doesn't like. Uh, and he hasn't done it yet, but who he doesn't like. And he, he had them killed. They say, if you read the history books, the lions were fed, well fed. The Colosseums were full of people yelling and screaming every day as the lions ate the Christians. This was Diocletian. (laughs) Now, in 324 AD, 21 years later, Diocletian is no longer emperor, and they have a new emperor, Constantine. Constantine said this is bullshit. (laughs) He couldn't understand why... Uh, the the Roman Empire for 21 years was killing Christians, feeding them to the lions and everything else, and forcing them to live under laws that weren't proper to them or to their liking. And he liked Christians. He, He saw nothing wrong with them. And he thought, he wasn't a very religious man, by the way, but he favored, quote, unquote, he favored Christianity. He favored religion, but he never became a Christian. He never became a Catholic. In any event, he became Emperor Constantine, and he says all these laws passed by Diocletian are gone. They're no longer laws. We're not going to persecute the Christians. There's a moral to this story. And what is that moral? The moral is you got to know who your leader is. Your leader makes decisions that can hurt you or help you. Donald Trump makes many decisions, has made many decisions to hurt certain groups of people, whether they be immigrants or whatever, uh, to hurt a lot of people and a lot of things. And I believe he's got to go in the next election. And whoever is the next president will be much better than him. And this bullshit will stop. And we'll, be going, we'll go back to the way we were under Obama, but in an improved fashion. We will progress steps further. Now, I don't think Bernie Sanders is the man. I don't think Bernie Sanders can do it. I said this last week when Bernie Sanders was the winner and they thought he was going to go all the way, which tonight it seems to indicate he isn't going to go all the way. Joe Biden's going to come out of this thing looking like a hero again tonight. Uh, and we need Joe Biden or a man like Joe Biden. We need a middle-of-the-road person. But my point is, it's your leader who leads, who dictates how his people live, whether that leader is a president or a monarch. 
and we haven't had a good one in the last three years, not in the form of Donald Trump. I want to come to the keys for a moment. Irma, September 10th, 2017, Irma hit uh, the lower keys here with big-time devastation. Key West was only a one, but it was a five, 16 miles up the road when it hit Big Pine, Summerlin Key, uh, Kudjo Key, etc. And it was bad, and it's still bad. Uh, it was announced this week that the Bay Ahia State Park is entering its final steps of uh, repair based on the Irma damage. They haven't done it yet, okay? They're going to start now because the park, the state park, got a knockout punch. It's one of the most beautiful parks you ever see, have ever seen before Irma hit. Uh, what, what's my point? Look at all the time we're waiting for the money to repair it. And the reason we wait is because the federal government and the state government don't have the money to cover these things or they don't arrange for it, all right? And this is happening with people are still living in tents in Big Pine. They don't have running water. They don't have toilets. And it's three years since Irma hit, two and a half years. The government lets people down in natural disasters. That's my point. And that, my dear friends, is the end of the show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed. I'm going to run back to see what the election results are. Uh, I hope it's Biden and Biden most of the way. Uh, What else can I tell you? You have a good evening. I look forward to being with you again next week.